Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors, Galaxy Finance. Sponsors and personal friends that I trust, that I trust enough to go to with questions about my own finances. That's not a sales pitch, that's fact. Any questions, any queries, they have the solutions from home loan lending to complete financial planning. With official interest rates at an all-time low, the lenders want your business. With Galaxy Finance, they'll do all the work for you and find the best possible deal. They'll do it all. Get in contact, ask for Leanne, and mention Unfiltered for a free chat. A free chat. No obligations. A free chat just by mentioning Unfiltered. Galaxyfinance.com.au is where you can find them. The great ones, they're different. They really are. Not better, just different. Sure, there's a physical power, a mental strength, a complex but resolute constitution too. There's a whole lot more than just the measurables. That's something else, that intangible. It separates us from them. Welcome to the Legend Series on Andy Raymond Unfiltered. I love this bloke. Yep, he's crazy. But that's part of the appeal. Been a mate since day one. But if the truth is to be told, I dudded him as a young reporter. Did the wrong thing, and he wanted to bash me there for a while. Thankfully, that didn't eventuate. We mended the rift because he's that type of guy. Me? I learned a valuable life lesson because of him. History hasn't repeated. Out of all the players across 32 years, all of the mates, there's none I'm more proud of of the guy he's become. I know too, 100%, if I need something, anything, I call him, no questions asked, he's that guy. But who is Mark Geyer? Who is he? Well, um, he's a guy who um, was born in the western suburbs of Sydney um, at Auburn Hospital. And uh, he's a guy who moved out to Mount Druitt when he was uh, two. And he basically um, learnt the hard way that um, you've got to work hard to get what you want in life. We've known each other for 23 years. What I do know about you is family isn't the thing, it's the only thing. Where did that come from? Is that mum and dad? Is that upbringing? Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, dad was the youngest of 10 kids. Uh, mum was the youngest of uh, four. She had three older, older brothers and um, dad had seven sisters, two brothers. Mm. Um, and I don't think I don't think mum – mum probably more than dad, but I don't think dad was real close to his um, brothers and sisters growing up. Okay. So I, I, I kind of think – yeah, mum was 16 when she had me, so yep. very young in life to be having a kid, and dad was only 19, so I think they kind of figured out that, you know, to have a, a good life as well, you've got you to love your family and be around yep. and have family members who um, want to be around us, and uh, yeah, that was uh, fair, definitely come from mum and dad, and, and they didn't miss, what, like, 
dad worked two jobs most of my life. Mum worked two jobs, and and there was never not one of them at one of our sporting events. Speaking of dad, I caught up with younger brother Matty recently, and yeah. it's like looking at Ace oh, thirty years ago. It's amazing. It's amazing. I um I was sending pictures back and forth to Buffo last weekend. And um, he even start, he's even starting to talk like him. And um, <laughs> he's got the beard going now. He's got the, you know, the, 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 the bald head. And there he is. And, you know, he's, uh, I listened to that podcast with Buffo. It was excellent. He's, he, exactly, what you, exactly what he says is true. You know, he's, um, he's very much like that in a lot of ways without him even knowing it. Tell me about Mark, the kid, school age. Good kid, bad kid, naughty kid. No, good kid. Yeah? Real good kid. Yeah. Um, uh, teacher's pet. Always from under, from you know, under sixes, from kindergarten all the way up to uh, sixth grade. Um, you suck up. Uh, big time. <laughs> big, big time. Especially because uh, I love sports so much and I always seem to be, uh, I seem to be given the teacher that was most sport orientated. Glenn Brindley in in sixth grade was the uh, sports, you know, teacher who had the footy, the cricket. Yeah. So I, I was in his team as a – me and Warwick Smith, an old mate of mine, um, we were the uh, sports monitors and I was a prefect in, in sixth grade. But then things kind of turned a little bit the other way once I got to high school and year seven and eight were okay. Mm. Uh, year nine I, I found out what drinking was all about and, yeah. and partying and blue-eyed discos and – so it changed a bit then, but um, I, I, I once ever got the cane at school, and, and that was because I took a bung at a school and threw it in a bin and tried to scare some people. <laughs> but apart from that, um, I was a pretty model student, to be honest. A loose kid? No. Huh? No, not loose kid. No, okay. loose, loose, loose adult Yeah. At, at times, but no, not a, not a loose kid. I was I, – I see – Andy, I had a lot of a responsibility from a, from a young age, yeah. um, from about the age of twelve to about oh, maybe eleven to about fifteen. I was kind of my my two sisters and my younger brother's third parent, you know, because yep. mum and dad would be gone by the time we woke up. I had to make them breakfast. I had to dress them. Um, I had to make sure they got home from school. Then mum and dad would get home, and then um, mum or dad would take us to, to training, and then mum would do the night shift, which she had to do, and dad would do his. So I was. Yeah, the mum and dad worked their ass off to try and provide for us. And, and, you know, I, growing up, to probably go back to an earlier question, grew up in really humble surroundings, you know, fibro shack in Whalen. I never knew that. You know, I never knew that we, we, we weren't rich um, until maybe I got older and I realised that coming from Mount Druitt um, was kind of a, a hazardous thing um, yeah. toward, towards mainly people who wanted to employ me. Fame, it can happen fast, and to you it did. Sounds great, and it can be, <laughs> but it can also be pretty tough. Well, there's no, like, like being a father, there's no book given to you on, no. on, on fame or, or, be, or being a good dad. Or, so you've got to kind of, every person is so different. Um, yeah, I, I, I burst on the scene as an 18-year-old and played against the, the dogs of war, and so straight away I was kind of that bloke who had to be the, you know, Ron Willie was my coach. Well, Tim Sheens gave me my first break yeah. uh, in first grade. and I love Timmy Sheens as a, as a man, as a coach. Um, Ron Willie come to the club, very old school. Just wanted me to, m- myself to get rid of all ball skills and just be the, you know, the big tough forward. Yep. And at 18 or 19, that's hard to take kind of yeah. thing, you know. It's, so I, um, 
I but I did I took it. Uh, he, he used to call me the mountain, and um, I want you to be. He said, "Mountain, I want you to be the bloke on the other the other team. Don't want to run at, and I want mm. you to be the man who wants the ball most and scares the other team." So, yeah, that went for a while for for a good couple of years, and then um, Gus Gould come along and, and brought some ball play back to my game. There's nothing more valuable to a footy side, in my opinion, anyway, than a, a genuine enforcer, someone that terrifies the opposition legitimately, but also gives teammates confidence. And as you said, that was you. But as a young bloke, that role isn't natural. It's a difficult fit, and it's mm. a really fine line between success and complete disaster. It is. And, and you know, you say with I think, I think we've known each other longer than 23 years. So I think we go back to the, when I was living at Cambridge Park with my mate Spook and Gleeso in about yeah. 93, 94. Yeah. So I remember you stopped after... 23, uh, yeah, I've got my maths wrong. It's yeah. It's, 30 it's, it's close 32 to, or something, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, you were, you've been a part of my life for a long time and um, I remember you'd, you'd cover a game, I think, for seven back in the day and mm. and then you'd hang out at Penrith, go to the Lose Club for a while, then stay at our house. And, yep. But that's part of it. That was, yeah, and... and my what I I didn't mind being the enforcer on the field. Um, it was kind of trying to then switch that, turn that switch off once I come off the field. Yeah, you know, are you going to a pub or a club when someone would recognise me and say, "Well, how tough are you?" And nine times out of ten, I I wouldn't back down to it, and and that's what got me in a lot of trouble. Um, not being able to walk away from a from a, a potential skirmish. I've got to insert this here. We did one of these legend series interviews with Brandy. He knows you're mad because he's been there the whole way. He reckons he spent more time <laughs> in bars and clubs asking you and your best mate Spook to walk away from blokes yeah. and ignore them than anything else. But that was you. Yes, uh, and it was. And I, I, I yeah, Brandy was, uh, you know, Brandy, or another bloke who was very misunderstood. You know, a lot of people thought he was aloof and. Stuck up, but he was just a shy bloke. Yeah. Yeah, very, very shy. And, and you speak about fame and fortune, well, it came to him a lot quicker than it came to me. Yeah. Um, he was a schoolboy prodigy, and he handled it beautifully around the boys, but in public he, he, he kind of didn't like being in the, in the mm. spotlight, and I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. I was, you know, I was full of testosterone. I was 19 years of age, and um, I didn't think the world could do anything wrong by me. Um, but yeah, look, it's well, we've all got our Achilles heel, and um, you know, looking back now and and having a son around the same age, just about to start his voyage. Yeah, my advice, my advice to him would be to do exactly the opposite that I did. Hey, legends! I hope you're enjoying this edition of Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Would you like to be part of the team? Our sponsorship packages are ready to go, from scripted ads to website placement and social media promotions, personal appearances, voice recordings and more. The opportunities are limited only by your imagination. You set the terms. Unfiltered is reaching hundreds of thousands of potential clients every single week, and we can cater to businesses both big and small. We'll work with you to guarantee you get exactly what you want, how you want and when you want. Packages start from as little as $150. If you're interested in joining our team, go to our website and hit the sponsorship tab at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. Really? Yeah, yeah. I, 
I, I was in an, I was born in an era where we could do that. You yeah. could get away with it, and yeah. and there was no, you know, could you imagine? Just imagine what trouble we would have got into with those mobile phones back in the other day. <laughs> like, come on. Oh, like, come on. I dread to yeah, think. I mean, and I think every past player says that. We yeah. feel sorry for the modern player. Yeah. You know, I, sure, they get the big money, and but, gee, they've got to earn it. You know, they've got to earn it publicly. They've got to earn it. Um, they, they cop it from every every sector. Um, the social media rampage is, is out of control. Yep. We never cop that. If someone wanted to say something to you, they'd say it to your face. They wouldn't yep. say it on a, on a, on a you know, a, a comment section on a yep. social media platform. And that's, that's the big difference. Um, yeah, that's the, that, that's the whole thing about it. I, I, you know, I was a young bloke who had full of te- full, was full of testosterone. We, we had a team that was um, strengthened by Ron Willie coming on and bringing Peter, uh, Peter Kelly, Chris Mortimer, yeah. Graham Bradley, Neil Baker, some real experience to an area where we were out here and we were kind of just babes in the woods. Mm. They come to our club and taught us how to be tough and they taught us how to win. And I, I attribute Ron Willie for a lot of what happened in the 90s. Yeah, because he got the ball rolling. Yeah. You know, Timmy Sheen started it with, you know, surrounding, getting all these young guys together, mm. myself and Brandy and Johnny Cartwright and um, Brad Fittler and the like. Ron Willie then put that mix together in a big pot um, and Gus Gould turned that pot into a, a beautiful stew. Yeah. That, you know, you could eat it. And so well, I've, I was blessed to have some really great club coaches for different, different ways. But, um, yeah, I, I attribute Ron Willie, but he, he bought Peter Kelly and Chris Warner and they did some things at training that we'd never done before. Like they bought two pairs of boots always. They always made sure they warmed up before a session and stretched down before a session. Stuff that yeah. we always was told to do, but, but we thought other clubs weren't doing it until yeah. these guys came and won competitions, and we went, "Okay, this is what it takes." Yeah. They were the leaders. They were the leaders. Yeah, yeah. Nineteen eighty-six, two games off the bench. Eighty-seven, you'd play thirteen games, mate. At the end of that season, your first grade record wasn't great. It was two wins, thirteen <laughs> losses, but no one <laughs> knew what was to come. There was something there. I don't think anyone knew just how big. No, well, I, I, um, my first grade debut, inverted commas, kind of was against Parramatta. Yep. The last round of the year, um, Ray Price, Mick Cronin retiring. Parramatta Stadium was about to be knocked down and yep. rebuilt. And, um, or was it the. No, it wasn't Paris Stadium. Yeah, it was Paris Stadium. It was the opening year, 1986. Okay, well, that yeah. was it. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, because I didn't play at Cumberland. Um, I used to go, go and watch a lot of games at Cumberland, yeah. but I never played there. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of my last game. Ray Warren was a commentator, and I'd played under 23s that day, reserve grade, and then first grade. And as I was coming on the field with about five minutes to go, um, I remember Rabs in the commentary said, There's this young guy coming on the field, Mark Gear, Mark Gayer. <laughs> And he's got more strapping on him, ladies and gentlemen, than Cardigan Bay. <laughs> and I didn't know what Cardigan Bay was until Dad said, that's the famous trotter. Yep. And he's always be strapped up. And I said, okay. So that's why he called me Cardigan Bay. And then, yeah, 87, I started the year in first grade. Um, had a really good off-season. And then after about seven or eight games, I got pneumonia. Um, mm. And I actually got pneumonia twice throughout my, my footy career. And they put it down to nerves. So I got tonsillitis before big games a lot as well. Wow. I never got my tonsils taken out. So it cost me a couple of big games. City Country game once, 
um, a prelim semi-final once. Because my tonsils just – I couldn't breathe. And, um, so, yeah, it was um, – so I had – I think I had six weeks out with, the, with, the, with pneumonia. And then I came back through reserve grade with Graham Murray as coach. Yeah. Um, and I was – I love Muzz. Because uh, yeah. he was my coach in 86 to, uh, for – um, the under-23s as well. Okay. Uh, the year before that was Cliffy Cartwright down in 85. So I, I knew Muzz and he had a good group around him with Craig Izzard and Daryl Broman and Dougie Delaney and mm. Mark Carroll, Tony Butterfield. And they were on a bit of a roll. We got on a bit of a roll in reserve yep. grade. We started to, um, you know, win some games and all of a sudden we made it to the semis and then we made it to the finals and we played on the last grand final um, at the SCG in reserve grade. Awesome. And we beat Manly 11-0. Yeah. Um, so that was... That was kind of the start of the, the good things that were about to happen to me. You know, 88, I had a fantastic off-season. Ron Willie came to the club and, as I said, gave me that, the mandates about what I should and shouldn't do. And um, I played, I think, 22 games that year. Last game of the year, but I got suspended um, with a late hit on Dale Shearer. Yep. And this was the era where you could um, – Ron Willie had a – well, someone had a loophole where you could go over and play your contract – uh, sorry, your suspension in England. in England. That's right. So we went on an end-of-season trip to France in 88. Um, I couldn't play because I was suspended, but mad, mad tour. Another story for another day, obviously. <laughs> and when the boys come back to Australia, I, I then went, on a, um, got, went to Dover and got a, a, a boat from France to, to Dover. Got picked yep. up by my Sheffield Eagles coach, Gallery Hetherington, yeah. who was – a big, I think he's a big to-do now at Leeds, uh, him and his wife, yes. Kath. Um, yeah, and driving me back to this place called Hallam Towers. I was 20 years of age. And I'm thinking, look at this hotel I'm staying at. This is magnificent. And he goes, no, you're around the back in the staff quarters. And I, went, I remember I went, the first night I walked into the, my room, which all I had was a, um, a basin and a bed, and I just oh. cried. I cried for about two hours thinking, what am I doing? Yeah. I should have just served my suspension. Like, so anyway, things picked up. I met two Kiwi blokes, Paul Ocaseni, who's um, Hydro's brother, who's, yeah. who passed away a few years ago tragically, and uh, Solomona, um, t- Tiny, they called him. A, so us three were in the same – we were all playing for Sheffield. Yeah. Never met the boys before. Our first night we went up to the – Hallam Towers and um, Wendy James from Transvision Vamp yeah. was in the bar having a drink. So that was our, my first brush with big fame because I don't want your money, honey, I want your love Yeah, was her song. And there she was with a band. Wow. We went over, said g'day. And uh, we, I had a ball um, at Sheffield. It, it taught, me to, to be, taught me again to toughen up because I, I, I didn't want to be there. Um, my mate Chris Robbins came over for a month, which helped me out. We, we ended up moving from the – Hallam Towers staff quarters to a, 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 the major, major sponsor of the, the team owned a pub. So we had the whole top floor to ourselves. So that's when the fun started. Yeah, good time. But it started too late because I'd come back and I'd be back by the 21st of December to start pre-season training on the 3rd of January. So, yeah. And then Penrith, we had two good years with Ron, 88, 89. Made semifinals both years. Yep. I think Balmain with Blocker and Ciro and Ellery and – Benny, and they knocked us out both years, I think. So, But 1990 was a different year altogether. Speaking of 89, the highlight, no doubt, wearing sky blue for the first oh. time. Game three, Lane Park, you're 21 and living a dream. You know, AJ, I, um, I would watch I, – I, 
I remember 1980, I was 12, and um, Dad said, I heard this, you know, I, was, I didn't really have much idea about what um, interstate footy was at a higher level because it was always New South Wales kicking Queensland's ass. Yeah. So no one really gravitated towards that. It was a bit like this last test match series with Australia being so dominant. You kind of think, well, come on, put up a fight. Yep. Um, and then they introduced this thing called State of Origin, and I said, Dad, can I stay up and watch it? It was a school night, and I think it was on a Tuesday night, the first game. He said, yeah, mate, yeah, no worries. 8.30, come on. Um, I watched it. And I said, Dad, why, is, why are Arthur Beetson and, and, and Mick Cronin fighting when they're playing club footy together? Yeah. Why is what, – what's going on here? He said, well, it's, it's changed. Now it's where you're born. Now it's going to get real. And I went, oh, my God. In that first game, I just – I saw a young Wally Lewis. I yeah. saw a Mal, young Mal Meninga. I saw a, a veteran, two veterans in um, Tommy Radonikus and Ronnie, uh, Arthur Beetson that would, yep. would, would – I didn't know at the time, but I would go on to have a really good relationship with both men. And I didn't know at the time as a 12-year-old, I was watching a bloke who I'd come face-to-face with 11 years later. Yeah. It was just it's, – it, yeah. Um, so that 89 experience, look, I, I, I got wind that Jack, New, uh, Jack Newton – Jack Gibson wasn't a fan of mine as a player. Didn't like how aggressive I was and didn't like the way that I didn't follow rules and regulations. Yep. So um, I think Gavin Miller got the, the uh, swap before me. I think you're right, yeah. Um, and but no, look, I was fine with that. I got in the first two games, Cardi made them. Um, where, I, like, you know, when they speculate about who's going to make the Origin team? Yeah. I was picked at everyone's side for the first game in 89. So your hopes are up? My hopes are up. Yeah. Then they picked them, I didn't make it. Second game came around, I was playing good footy again. I didn't make it. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors, Galaxy Finance. Sponsors and personal friends that I trust, that I trust enough to go to with questions about my own finances. That's not a sales pitch, that's fact. Any questions, any queries, they have the solutions from home loan lending to complete financial planning. With official interest rates at an all-time low, the lenders want your business. With Galaxy Finance, they'll do all the work for you and find the best possible deal. They'll do it all. Get in contact, ask for Leanne, and mention Unfiltered for a free chat. A free chat. No obligations. A free chat just by mentioning Unfiltered. Galaxyfinance.com.au is where you can find them. So for the dead rubber, oh, I was picked. Yep. And I didn't say Jack didn't say much to me. I remember being in Queensland, driving to Lang Park, hearing this loud like locust sound, about you know five minutes out from the the Lang Park, and I went, "What the hell is that? Like, what the fuck is this? Is there a locust plague? What's going on?" Yeah. As we got closer, you realised it was the the buzz at the Caxton Hotel and the surrounding areas, and just going yep. mad when they realised it was our bus coming through there yeah. was cans smashing on the windows like it was just bizarre it was it was really scary yeah but it was really exhilarating at the same time i was going what the fuck yeah. is this like what's going on yeah anyway drove in parked and the buzz was still going the buzz never left the buzz never yeah. left that locust sound never left for oh you know we got there at six o'clock we ran out at eight i had a shocking game i had a shot one of my worst games i've ever played as a first grade footballer Wow. I, I, I missed that many tackles. Gene Miles and Kerrod Walters targeted me. Um, I, I couldn't get in the game. I had three or four runs. We got beat 
you know, 36 6. Mm. It was, it was, a, it was a, a night to remember, a night to forget for me, but I vowed that I'd one day get back there again. And, and luckily, I, I did for, for a couple more times. The finals were building at Penrith, as you said, 88 89. 90, you made the grand final. Do you look at it now as a, a celebration or still just complete heartbreak and frustration? Um, both, because yep. it was a celebration. The yep. first time the Mountain Men had made a grand final, mm-hmm. which was we celebrated way too hard. We, yep. we, you know, we played, we, we partied that week like it was we'd come back at grand final winners. We had civic receptions, we had street parades, we had, yep. we had everything. Um, we had shirts made up, but we hadn't done a thing. So obviously we didn't pay the, the respect that was due to the grand final. Um, we went down for the grand final breakfast. Yep. Gus said to us, boys, it's, it's you know, Wednesday, tomorrow's the grand final breakfast, go to bed, have a, you know, have a few beers if you want in your room. But just have an early night. So we look, you know, we're, we're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed when we get up and yeah. front these guys at the first time we'll see them before we play them on Sunday. We all looked at each other and went, yeah, no worries, mate. So we all said, whose room are we going to? So yeah. I, think, I think either Barry Walker or, or um, Cole Bentley said, yeah, come to mine. Or they were together. They were together. So we went to their room. So about 10 of us went, uh, ordered, you know, everything on the menu. Never seen seafood platters like it. Never saw. Didn't know. Didn't know how to pronounce it at the time. This Dom Perignon. So we said, let's get four bottles of that. Yes. So we were partying hard. Our Macandale led the party. He was he was on fire. And then at about three in the morning, there was a knock on the door, and we're all we're half tanked, you know, yeah. beers, champagne, seafood, dancing, singing. Um, and Paul Smith, our winger, looked through the the peephole. And he, he shouted out, it's Gus. Oh, dear. We went, fuck. <laughs> and we just, you know, you just automatically get sober when something happens yep. that's, that's traumatic. And yeah. it was Gus at the door. So everyone jumped over lounges and went in the bedrooms, hid under whatever they could. I hid behind a, a curtain, but the curtain wasn't long enough for my feet. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm standing there shaking, going, oh, no. He's walked in. It was dead silent. Not a word. Not, you could hear a pin drop. He goes, right. All I want to say is this, you've just lost the grand final. We went, fuck. And I can, MJ, I can see your head through that fucking pop plan as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just me. <laughs> that was our relationship, but Gus would give it to me, and I, instead of just taking it on, on the chin, I'd always fight back, and, yeah. I, and I shouldn't have, because I was in the wrong most times. Nine times out of ten, I was in the wrong. Um, so we... Reconvene. We said, "What do we do?" We said, "We have one more drink." Yeah, why not? It's you know because we usually get, under Ron Willie's rules and regulations when he comes to the club. Every Thursday night, we'd take our coat hangers with our clothes on it to training. Then we'd all have to have two or three beers at the Australian Arms and then go to the club together. Yep. Because yep. then we're training it on Saturday, play Sundays most weeks. Yeah. So we thought, oh, well, let's let's Thursday tomorrow. We've still got three days till the game. Yeah. But it wasn't the, the fact that we drank a lot of alcohol or, or partied. It was the fact that we didn't have our mind on the prize. Yep. Um, and this is a team that had won the year before. This is a team that won two years before that. In, uh, no, mainly beat them in 87. Yes. So they won the comp the year before. So we just didn't give it the respect that was due and subsequently got beat. Um, but 90, 90, it was, so before that game, I was told the Kangaroo Tour was being picked that year yeah. to go to England. One of, you know, one of those, the last times it would be done. We didn't know that then either. Um, and 
it was out of – I was told by a few people uh, in the hierarchies that it was like out of me or uh, Gary Coyne from the Raiders, the last yep. – number 28 spot. And basically whoever won – was going on the kangaroo tour. Wow. So I had double reason to feel down on myself after the game. I'd, I'd, I'd had a pretty good game. Well, not, nothing to write home about, but mm. we lost, which was – I used to watch blokes getting beat in grand finals and see them burst into tears on the field and go, mm. fuck, come on. Yeah. Really? I was one of them guys. Yeah. That was me. And uh, then, to be, then to know that I, I missed out on the kangaroo tour – and then we, until we got back to the club and we're all back there commiserating and, and the announcement came over the PA, I think it was Don Felders, saying, um, just got an, uh, an announcement to make. The Kangaroo Tour has been picked and four of our players are going away on the Kangaroo Tour. Mm. And he read out Brandy and Freddie and Cardi and there was a big pause and we all thought maybe Steve Carter or maybe Colin Vandervoort or yep. someone. But, um, and said, and the last one's MG. I went, fuck. Whoa! How so, good! So that was mad. That was a, that yep. was an experience that I'd never ex- thought I'd experience in my life. One of the best things I've ever done. Yeah. Um, because what it did, it broke down a lot of barriers. You know, blokes like Blocker and Ciro and 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 Lazarus and Benny Elias and 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 the Walrus and the and the Langers of the world. They're all intimidating. Yep. In their in their own way. You know, some for aggression, some for spine tingling ability. Yep. Until you go on a kangaroo tour with them and you see that they're just like you. Until they become your mate. They become your mate. Yeah. And you see that they miss their family as much as you do. Yep. They see they get the shits about this and you go, mm. well, they're not different to us. Mm. So the four of us brought that mentality back in 91 with us going, you know what, this got some intel. They're not as big and bad and ugly as we yeah. think they are. So we played the we, – we changed our jerseys from the, the chocolate soldiers to the licorice all sorts and good things seemed to happen. We got to the final of the – the, the preseason comp where I think the Broncos beat us up in Darwin, but then we I think we only lost four games all year. Mm. We just were on a Brandy was in his best year, my best year, um, not Freddie's best year, but because uh, he, he played I think he played better when he was at the Roosters, but yep. most dangerous year. Every time we touch the ball, you go, oh, he's going to do something. Yeah, Cardi with that left that right arm offload, um, you know, our wingers in Mackay and Smith, Penguin and yeah. Uh, yeah, we had, a, we had a team that was just humming. Short drop out from Canberra and Evan. Oh, it goes Gaia! Gaia gets it! Gracie Simmons! Yes! That's it! The grand final's gone! In his last match, Royce Simmons gets control. Ninety-one, the grand final, the maiden premiership. Do the memories last forever? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Because just recently we had our thirty-year reunion, um, November wow. November last year, and uh, before that, I think round five we had um, another another one because we played Canberra. Penrith played Canberra at Penny Park. Yep. In round four or five, and that was kind of the start of uh, the Raiders. Down spiral because yep. Nickel Clockstat hurt his neck and was basically the start of Penrith's roll. Yep. Um, we did a motorcade around that night. We had a big night. Um, and then again on the Harbour Cruise. So you, you, see, you see your mates because that 1990 grand final, I've never watched it. Never, Is that true? Never watched it once. 
I refuse to. It's yeah. just got so many bad memories. Yep. 91, I watched 5,000? Yeah. <laughs> 7,000? Yeah. 10,000? I don't know. It's a... Whenever it's, I've got it replayed, Fox played a few years ago, so I've got that on replay, but I've also got the VHS, yep. which I've got um, converted into a DVD ray and all that stuff. So anytime someone comes over, I said, you know, had a few beers. I said, you want to watch a video? Like, yeah. so, oh, shit, what's this doing in there? 91 grand final. <laughs> I go, turn, turn it off, you wanker. All my kids hate it. Oh, um, but yeah, it. no, the, to do something, AJ, that was so profound in, in, in an area which oh, loves their footy. Yeah. We hope you're enjoying this edition of Andy Raymond Unfiltered. The Legends series drops at the start of your working week. It's in-depth, personal and highlights some of the game's finest from yesteryear. The weekly wodge drops in time for your weekend. It's full on and the hottest podcast on the market. Why listen to opinions when you can listen to interviews with the stars? And on every episode, you can hear up to a dozen different players and coaches, both past and present, giving their thoughts on the great game. It's fast-paced, full of footy and laughs. It's a must-listen. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening. That way, you won't miss a thing. Every episode will drop immediately. Before you go, we'd love a five-star rating and review. It's not for ego, it's for business, as we look to expand the unfiltered brand and bring you more. Make sure you come back soon. Legends.